The passage we're going to be looking at today is the one that absolutely baffled me the most when I first read Revelation. It kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere, the imagery is weird, um, and it didn't seem to make much sense with everything else that's going on. But there's a reason why it feels a bit different and out of place in the narrative, and we're going to be looking at that today. So we're going to dive in to Revelation chapter 12, all about the woman giving birth and the dragon. Let's go. My name's Megan, and here I talk about the Bible. I spend some time reading through commentaries and studying passages, and then chat through here about what I've learned, so you can learn that info on the go, doing your cleaning, while you work. And I really hope this just feels like grabbing a coffee with me and doing a deep dive into scripture together. Let's get on with today's episode. So last time I gave you a little bit of a hint about what we were going to be looking at this week at the end of the episode by reading a quote from the Thomas and Machia commentary about why the last section feels like that's the end, but it carries on. The book carries on and it carries on into this chapter. And this is what they said, if you remember, they said the next major subsection forms an interlude of sorts telling the story of redemptive history in cosmic perspective. The story of redemptive history in cosmic perspective. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And that's what is going on in Revelation 12. And it it feels like an interlude, doesn't it? When you read this through, it's all kind of, you know, these judgments and, and this sort of you get into this the kind of swing of what's going on and the feel of it and this just feels very different um but i think that that kind of way of explaining it as a cosmic perspective of redemptive history is really helpful it's a bit like a little bit of a flashback the story that's being told here is one that we know it's the story of jesus it's the story of the messiah um who comes and defeats satan And through what he does and how he defeats Satan, a faithful remnant um, is able to emerge. The people of God, the the people that follow Jesus, the church. We know the story. We know the story. However, this, this flashback is giving us this story from what they call it a cosmic perspective, didn't they? A heavenly perspective. Um, A story from the kind of spiritual viewpoint rather than the earthly one that that we've experienced it from through the stories of the Gospels and the prophecies leading up to that in the Old Testament. It's saying this is what this looks like from above. And so we hear a lot about Satan and his involvement in this. And I think um, whenever I read this section, it just reminds me so much of that passage in Ephesians where it tells us our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities. And it's underlining what we see in the Garden of Eden, that the enemy of God isn't people, it's 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 evil, it's, it's Satan who is one that leads people to evil, the father of lies. And that's what's going on here, it's telling us the story of Jesus and Satan's defeat, and now what, what Satan's doing in the world um, between his defeat and Jesus's, um, well the Easter story, and the coming of the kingdom of, of God in its fullness, it's like it's giving us context as to why 
the church is in this persecution and what's going on in the meantime. So that's kind of what's happening here. So let's just go through it and try and understand why it's saying that and kind of what this imagery means. So I'm going to just read the whole chapter all the way through this time and then we'll focus on a few of the different characters and talk about um, what's going on there. So chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great dragon, with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and on and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth, and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman, and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, and on those who keep the commandments of God, and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. It's a pretty ominous ending, isn't it? Like, he stood on the sand of the sea. <sighs> we'll find out more about that next week. But reading through that after saying that it is a a retelling of redemptive history of how Jesus saves, how God's plan for salvation came through the Messiah, how Satan has been defeated. Does it make more sense? I think it does. I think when I learned that, I was like, okay, I kind of get it now. Um, but obviously there's so much packed into this um, that leads us to that point. 
let's start by looking at the woman. Who is the woman? Well, you might initially think this is Mary, um, and it isn't, but, but there's a reason that you think it is, because the idea here is actually of virgin Israel, I would call it. So in the Old Testament, and Israel, the part of Israel that is, that is faithful to God, um, is portrayed as like God's bride and a virgin Israel bride. Um, and so the fact that Mary is a virgin and gives birth to the Messiah, it's all kind of linking back to that imagery. But this isn't Mary herself. She sort of is connected to the same set of imagery. But this is representing Israel, those who are faithful to God and are true to him are giving birth to the messiah that's kind of what's what's going on in this picture in craig keener's ivp commentary he says he says it like this righteous israel was portrayed as the mother of the restored future remnant of israel this imagery would have been kind of obvious for readers of the old testament knew that well for people for jews who knew all of this but we can get a clue by the fact um it talks about the 12 stars and it's like the 12 tribes of israel it might remind you of joseph's dream um in the old testament joseph of joseph and his technical dream coat of course i know it from all the songs <laughs> um but the 12 stars represent in his dream the 12 sons of jacob so this, um, she has a crown, which is to do with being faithful as well, as we talked about back when we were talking the letters to the church, it's the crown rewarded to those who are faithful, represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Thomas and Mackie also note that, that because of her proximity to the sun and the moon, um, she kind of is massive, <laughs> massive in the sky is the kind of image you get. Um, and so we've heard about that angel a few chapters back that kind of straddles the ocean. It's like she's even bigger than that. She's, she fills up the heavens. She's, um, it's kind of suggested she's much closer in proximity to God, like is so special to God in this way. So she rep is representing the faithful Israel who birthed the messiah the remnant which is what happened with jesus and like i said mary sort of ties into that imagery but he was born as part of the line of david so that kind of covers the old testament imagery that's going on here but there's also a lot of ancient imagery from the culture that is going on and it's absolutely fascinating michael heiser um, links this to something called astral prophecy which is basically prophecy that's linked to the stars to the constellations um and at the time period like astronomy isn't it astronomy or astrology i can <laughs> i always get those two mixed up hang on a minute let me google it it's astrology astrology is the kind of religious -y part okay good astrology um astrology is still popular today looking at the stars to determine what's happening on earth and it was still extremely popular in the ancient world um and this isn't to say the fact that there's this analogy here isn't saying that 
astrology is okay. In fact, the Bible's very clear, do not do it. Don't do astrology. However, it's kind of using this this context and the ideas of the culture to make a point. And also, and this is what I think is really interesting, it's suggesting dates. So part of the reason people use the stars um, was because at certain times of the year different constellations appear in the sky don't they and it means you can tell what time of the year it is or what might happen so and that that is just what happens um throughout the year if you know your stars you know where somewhere is in the sky you can tell where we are in our rotation around the sun and all this sort of thing obviously they they wouldn't have seen it like that but a certain time of year certain set of days certain stars appear in the sky Um, depending on where you are on the earth it will vary obviously but remember in the Christmas story it's the stars that lead the magi to Jesus and I don't think it's a coincidence that here we're talking about the birth of Jesus at the same time now I feel like I say this every episode I'm going to link you to Michael Heiser on this but the reason is he does much more of a deep dive onto this and he explains it so well so I will link his podcast below if you want to learn about what's going on here with constellations and and um what the woman and the dragon are kind of alluding to certain constellations in the sky at a certain time and these constellations together actually narrow down this period from a 20-day period to a 90-minute period of when well it's suggesting of when Jesus is born uh yeah fascinating so here we've got this idea of the stars in ancient culture telling something about what's happening in the world of truth um this imagery is overpowering that and saying that this this god's truth god is god is the one that brings truth but also it's suggesting to us um the significance of jesus birth and and when that happened and Ah, oh, a whole load of stuff. Go listen to Michael Heiser on this. It's amazing. It's really, really amazing. But I think it also helps us to see why this perhaps feels a little bit different um, when we read it and the kind of tone feels a bit different. It's because it is referring to this kind of astronomical or logical, whatever the word is, um, reading and, and understanding and making a whole load of points about the glory of god and how how intentional his plan of salvation through the messiah was i feel like i haven't done the best explanation of that but i've tried to give you a quick summary of something that is a very in-depth thing so listen to michael heiser if you want the in-depth version but that's just a little little snippet for you So we've got an idea now of who the woman represents. So let's talk about the child really, really quickly. We've kind of covered it, but let's have a quick look. So about the child, we hear this expression that he's going to rule with a rod of iron. So let's just quickly read Psalm 2 verses 7 to 9 for some context of this. It says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So this is clearly talking about the Messiah, about Jesus, 
um, he's given the authority to rule over the nations. And it's because of him that Satan is thrown down, the devil is defeated. We see that in verse 10, where it tells us um, the authority of his Christ have come. Uh, so, and then in verse 11, oh, I love this verse, and they have conquered him, that's Satan, by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. I just love that. It just shows such a picture of the way that we fight as Christians and we fight because of the blood of the lamb, the power of his testimony and not loving our own lives unto death. It's following Jesus' example. It's sharing his gospel. It reminds you of Jesus having the sword in his mouth, doesn't it? That we've spoken about before. It's just so powerful the way that we resist the enemy. And that is our true fight. As again, I said, this reminds me of Ephesians so much. Our fight is not against flesh and blood something to remember in a divided world isn't it we fight with the power of the gospel on our lips and laying our lives down just as jesus did so let's talk about the dragon shall we and the way he is described so we are told very clearly that this is satan this is the devil um that he's shown as a dragon now there's kind of two links about why he might be a dragon um that you'd probably think of firstly would be the garden of eden where um the devil is betrayed as a serpent as a snake and i think the word the word serpent and dragon in the septuagint which is like the greek version of the old testament um it kind of the same word so a lot of people say this this is very clearly making that connection and even if you didn't know that it's quite clear isn't it serpents snakes dragons they're kind of all the same family one's got legs and wings and one hasn't but you <laughs> you can see the the relation there it's calling back to eden and it's calling back to the promise that eve is given in genesis 3 so in verse 15 um god is talking to the serpent and he says i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel so there's this promise of the offspring of the woman um will crush the head of the serpent of the devil and he will bruise his heel so it's like there, there's a bit of a pushback and a, a bite back but I mean, ultimately, the, the offspring's bruising his head. It's a lot more, you know, he's, in the process of him crushing him, he's going to bite a bit, basically. Um, there's that promise that is, like, being fulfilled here, isn't it? This this Satan, this serpent, um, is being thrown down by the offspring, um, Messiah that is Jesus, the offspring of God's chosen people, Israel. And... Um, but he is biting back a little bit and that's kind of what we're seeing is is he's crushed but he's still kind of plotting and he's still trying and he's going after those who follow Jesus to try and to persecute them and to turn them away from God because he knows that he can still kind of pull people back over um, and, and so they won't be part of the new heavens and new earth. He knows he's lost but he's still going down, kicking and screaming and trying to pull as many people with him as he can and this is our fight as christians 
this is our fight this this is why we do evangelism it's why we we reach out to people it's, it's why we need to strengthen ourselves with the truth of god's word because the father of lies is trying to deceive us and to pull us away from the truth and and do not have our lives as an example that will lead us to jesus because he just doesn't want that he knows he's already lost but he wants to pull down as many people as he can with him the imagery of the serpent there is really clear isn't it but there's also the dragon imagery and he's kind of linked with the sea which we'll see next chapter um when it talks about the beast the beasts and um the linking with the sea and dragons there's a whole other thing there about um ancient worldviews and the fact that sea creatures these sea dragon monster things um were linked to creation myths and kind of represented the war between chaos and order which in ancient world would be seen as the war between good and evil and these sea creature things were always there and there's one in the bible that is used um as an analogy of this called leviathan you might have heard that term before but it's kind of tapping in in the old testament to that idea of these sea creatures that represent this chaos um and it's called leviathan in the old testament and so this again is linking into that context the devil is the one who's anti-god's good creation wants to just cause chaos and havoc and disorder the dragon has seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems which are sort of like crowns and we'll talk more about heads and horns next time when we when we get to the beasts we'll discuss the kind of imagery going on there but the seven diadems is interesting so the woman has a crown of 12 stars on her head the devil will have seven diadems um and this is kind of telling us again that he's the father of lies that he kind of wants to mimic god but it it's all twisted i did an instagram post right back when i started bible with megan in well, this was what last year um 2021 march time i think it was yeah um about the different types of crowns in revelation and there are two types stephanos and diadem so this is diadem we're talking about but stephanos um is a crown of victory which is more like a wreath and it's given to athletes when they win a race and this is the um the kind of crown that the faithful believers have and it's also the same type that jesus's crown of thorns is as well it's given to somebody that wins um so these faithful followers are going to receive that crown and it's the kind of crown that the woman is wearing here um however the diadem crown is one that's worn by royalty it's worn here by satan um and it's also worn by the beast who's given authority by satan which we'll see next time but the thing is they are not true royalty satan's desire is to be king but he's not he can only pretend in order to fool people um and so he's kind of got this false diadems on his head and at the end of revelation jesus wears the diadem as the true king as the true royalty it's just quite interesting that that um it has that detail you know satan is satan's desire he wants to try and be king but he can't um he can just pretend 
we learn next that his tail sweeps down or swept down a third of stars and threw them down to earth and um stars as we've kind of touched on this time i think we might have spoken about before are linked into heavenly beings spiritual beings um a heavenly perspective all of that so what it's kind of saying is it's showing us how satan also pulls down with him some of the spiritual beings and these are demons this is kind of referencing the fall of of angels or those spiritual beings that were made by god that have decided to follow satan he pulls them down to earth with them they are crushed with him um the demons the woman and the people her offspring um who follow her are persecuted by satan that's what we learn next this is what this whole thing about the wilderness is um but they are protected by god the the eagle's wings that come it is she's protected the remnant is faithful are protected from satan's persecution but there is persecution we have the same amount of time that we talked about last time with the two witnesses the 1260 days time of persecution satan persecutes um and this is why this can't be mary because it doesn't really fit this is god's people that satan is persecuting he's trying to turn them to follow him and not follow christ and he uses his classic weapon which is lies and deceit and we see that um in in verse 15 and he talks it talks about the serpent pouring water like a river out of his mouth now that reminds us of the description of jesus the beginning of revelation where his voice sounds like many waters which then links to other descriptions in the old testament of god he's trying to he's trying to again mimic god but it's interesting he he uses this um this mimicking of god to try and sweep away the woman but the earth helps the woman like the actual earth like creation helps the woman and what this is referring to i think is the fact that creation belongs to god it reminds you of those verses that say creation longs for god and and um luke nineteen forty, jesus says i tell you if these people were silent the rocks would cry out creation itself is longing for the kingdom of god to come for that renewal of creation too it's just a really cool image that isn't it god is going to win he has won but the enemy's still trying to make war on those people who follow his commandments as you see and that's kind of all i have to say today on this passage i hope it makes it clearer what is going on here i think the message is so so clear to us and it's the message we've seen again and again in revelation stay steadfast endure be faithful in persecution um it's such a strong message to us and it reminds us of what's really going on it reminds us not to be deceived and not to make enemies of people but to know the enemy is satan is the one who wants to take people away from jesus the father of lies and he is who our battle is really against um it's such an important reminder and such a timely reminder in our world right now which feels so divided over ideology over actual like physical war 
all these things and and so let's just pray in Jesus name that we will be strengthened that we would be able to put on the armor of God to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy and Lord would you help us to fix our eyes on the unseen on on you but also to be aware that behind all this evil is the enemy's schemes help us to love people as you do and to lay our lives down for others and not not despise them not hate them but recognize that this is the enemy um who's trying to pull them away from you give us a boldness to share your gospel to preach your word um to lay down our lives that is our warfare that is our weapon thank you jesus that you've won that although satan is is going down screaming and fighting he's already defeated he's already defeated may we never forget that amen next week we'll move on to talk about the beasts and we'll see that the beasts get their authority from satan just keep that in mind as you dwell on this passage this week and i will join you next week to move on to probably one of the most interesting passages in terms of people trying to decode it all of the time so we'll dive into that next week have a wonderful week god bless you as you go and may you be covered by his wings in protection so so much for joining me for today's podcast if you have five minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on that would be really really helpful and it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey if you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially you can use the buy me a coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources you can also follow me over on instagram at bible with megan or one word where i update everything that's going on and have content on there as well so i really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the bible with megan podcast